Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You'll hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think you would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogyourself.com and complete the contact form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the GDIY Provile pre presented by Standing Stone Supply. This time we have Logan Cummins on the line. Logan, how you doing, man? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Uh, living the dream as always. Go ahead and start off with the obvious, what we always start off with. Tell everybody where you're calling from and what kind of dogs you run. I'm in Winterset, Iowa, which is about 30, probably 35 minutes southwest of Des Moines. Um, I've got a Deutsch Drauthauer and I've got a Belgian Malinois, which she's not a hunting dog, but figure it's worth noting that I got her. She's a, she's my once in a lifetime dog, so I've always got to include her, you know? Man, it's it's crazy how many people I'm interviewing and coming across. Like, it's just I, everybody I talk to seems to either have a German Shepherd or a Belgian Mal right now. I'm, I'm kind of curious what that is. Did, which one came for, first, the Drot or the Mal for you? The Mal. I, uh, I always – actually, what made me want one was uh, when the Navy SEALs went on that raid for Osama bin Laden and I had read about theirs. And, uh, you know, I was young and – freaking full of testosterone back then so i'm like <laughs> i'm reading about this war dog and i'm like man that is just that's the coolest thing in the world and i always wanted one and then uh let's she's five and a half now so my girlfriend wanted a dog and she wanted a gsd and and i was gonna buy one but i'm like you know what if we're spending this kind of money we're just i'm gonna buy what i want so i bought a mal and <laughs> It's probably the best thing I've ever done, man. She's, uh, yeah, she's incredible. Yeah. So how long was it that you had the Mal that it took you to realize that you wanted a bird dog and, and a draught at that? Where did the draught kind of fall in line with you? The Malinois is what it sparked like an undying obsession inside of me for working dogs and like just seeing the way that she has such a drive to please. I mean, she'll do I always tell anybody, I think I could send this dog into her death. And I think she'd just go, no questions <laughs> asked, you know, like, and it just sparked this obsession for working dogs for me. And, uh, and then, and it doesn't matter any kind of working dog, whether it's a cow dog, a 
a coon dog. It doesn't matter. A bite dog. And it would have been two, two years ago. I started, I took up pheasant hunting again. I, uh, I quit for a long time because we got hit real hard by a couple bad blizzards when I was younger. And, uh, I just didn't pheasant hunt much deer hunted and all that and Turkey and all the other fun stuff. And then in 2020, I shot two pretty good deer and it, you know, ended my season pretty early. So I couldn't just sit around and do nothing. So I got a hold of my buddy and we started uh pheasant hunting and we were doing really good in 2020 over here. And uh he had talked about draughts a little bit. And to be honest with you, man, I didn't at the time, I didn't know what a draught was. I was just like everybody else, and I just thought it was a wire hair, right? Which as you know, a hundred years ago, they, they were the same thing, but, um, yeah, I did. I wasn't totally sure what a drop was and he kind of turned me on to him and then, but I, I wasn't like dying to get one yet until yeah. I went and did some hunting behind some labs and, uh, not to make anybody mad here. I just don't like the way a lab hunts upland myself. It's just personal preference. Is it, is it lab or flushing dogs in general? I, I think flushing dogs in general, right? So it's, it's not like, a knock on the breed. It's just that you just don't prefer having that close working dog then. Correct. Yeah. It's just that style, you know, like, cause I, I can take my Malinois out and she'll flush great because I can make her stay. I can, I can tell her to go ahead and she'll go as far as the eye can see. I can tell her stay close and she'll be 20 yards and in and I can tell her heel and she'll be against my leg. I can, I can also woe her. I can do anything with this Malinois. So like I, I can take her to be a flushing dog, you know, but there's something about the point. And, uh, that's one thing that's always just really, that's what kind of sparked my obsession with working dogs was how they it's in their DNA and you can see it, you know? And so, yeah, I hunted behind them labs, but I wasn't a big fan of the, of the flushing style. And then I hunted behind my, my old boss had two, uh, GSPs that were, I mean, these dogs are dynamite, man. Like they were a year old, maybe even a touch younger when I hunted behind them. And they were just, they were incredible dogs and watching them. That's when I was like, yeah, I have to, I have to get a dog. And, uh, I think what, the, the main reason I went with a draw is because I don't just upland hunt and I've, I've started to really, I mean, really kind of dive headfirst into uh waterfowl hunting. And so I needed a dog that was going to excel at both. And, you know, if I was just waterfowl hunting, I would probably get a black lab, man. I, when you get a good lab, it's, you have about the best dog you'll ever have. Um, if I was hunting just upland, I'd probably get a GSP, but I'm not hunting just one of those, you know? So I really wanted a versatile dog. And, uh, I guess what turned me on to the draughts was just their insanely strict breeding standards, you know? So, and ultimately kind of what you, you alluded to at the start of this, the difference between wire hairs and draughts. 
they're the same dog breed overall, but what you what you just mentioned, the uh, strict breeding requirements, the German system, your draughts come from the German system and and the German testing system more specifically. And, the, and there's a much more rigorous, more advanced process to get approved for breeding than what we have over here in the States. And, that, and so when you have a, a dog that is proven outside of German lines and people get them registered and, and breed them outside of the German system, that's your German wire hair. And so you actually went the draught system. You actually preferred that more stringent breeding program because it it, it was kind of tailor-made to tell you exactly what you're trying to get in a dog. I'm curious, when you got into the world, when you got your draught, did you stick with the German testing? Have you done any testing at all with them? No, I haven't done any testing yet. My dog, his name's Trig. Trig's, uh, he's seven months old now. So I, I really need to be watching the, uh, because I'm on some Facebook groups and stuff with all the different chapters. Like we're in the Heartland chapter, um, here in the, here in Iowa. And I really need to be keeping a, I, I could do a lot better about keeping an eye on it. And the thing is, is like, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to test trig out. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do that more for the, the guy that I bought him from. Right. Like, so that way for his future litters, he can kind of show what he's done with his bloodlines. Um, you know, I really don't have any intention of studding him out. Um, so I haven't just, I just haven't been paying that, that close of attention yeah. to when all the tests are, but I, I mean, it's not going to be right now. I've got time anyways. And, uh, I think he's going to do great in his natural abilities test. Um, but then there's other days, as you know, with a dog, like you have really good days, but then you have days where it's like, like, did, did he forget his brain at home? You know? <laughs> yeah. We all, we all have those days, the roller coaster, man. It just, not all dogs are going to be consistent. And to be fair, we're not consistent either. I mean, even just shooting wise, it's like we have our good days and our bad days and, you know, put, apply that towards anything really. Talk to me about what it was like getting the draught and getting into it. Like you said, you've been out of pheasant hunting for a little while. You have an aim to get into waterfowl hunting, but you've been dealing with a mal for four or five years up to this point. So kind of walk me through what was it like getting your first bird dog and figuring out how to train him up to this point. Because like you said, he's he's still a young pup. So it's like he's still in his inaugural kickoff season right now. Getting him, that was awesome. That was an experience in itself, you know, because it's such a, the VDD system, <laughs> I had a vet tech tell me the other day, it's kind of like a cult. And uh, <laughs> I, I chuckled because I'm like, you know, I hate to say it, but it kind of is. Yeah. But th that was cool. That was a cool experience in itself. And uh, and one thing that I love about it is because I've never taken my Malinois and I haven't taken my draw anywhere for any kind of training. And I don't know that I will. Um, I kind of like being the one training just it's given me more time to form a bond and gain the trust of my dog. Um, but that's one thing that's great. And that's, that's one thing that I love about just the dog world in general. You, you, you meet good people and they can, most of them will give you good, useful information. And, uh, you know, like as far as if it, I guess, if you're asking like, what was it like 
having a Mal for so many years and then going to this dog, honestly, my Malinois, and I'm not saying it cause she's mine, but she is like, she spoiled me. And that dog is a true one command dog. And she has made, it wasn't always this way. She was kind of a mean, nasty little thing when she was a pup, but we got that out of her. She figured out who alpha was and dude, she has just been like, it's just been easy with her. And so, but with that said, I've learned a lot from it too. And that I, I've incorporated a lot of that into training my draw and uh, a big thing I always say, and maybe you disagree. Maybe a lot of people will, but like this draw has pointing in his DNA, retrieving's in his DNA. That's stuff I've got to hone in on. I believe that if I can get him, if I can get the obedience aspect down to where he listens to me and he trusts me in what I'm telling him to do, I can, I believe I can about get him to do whatever I want, you know? Oh, I, and, I absolutely agree with that for the, for the most part. It's very general, like, it, you know, crossing a lot of things, but I mean, I've said it on the podcast a number of times, get the foundation, the obedience there and get that working relationship all the other stuff there, how they point, their retrieve and stuff like that, like you said, it's it's kind of genetically in them or not. And then it's our job to bring that out later. But when they're young, create that foundation to build off of. And then when it comes time in the field, that's when we we get the bird manners. We get the retrieves and stuff like that. But we're we're honing in on what they're genetically predisposed to do anyway and hopefully we're trying to set them up for success where we're just kind of showing them and we're creating that expectation and then we're trying to get out of the way so the genetics kind of take over but ultimately you start off with that foundational obedience because that's how you teach a dog to work with you right it's it's not so much yep. about teaching you know frodo to sit for you it's more or less teaching that dog how to learn and how to work with you along the way. And then that transfers over into the field later. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, and there's something to like, when you watch that dog come to life and it like clicks in its head, uh, Trigg's first retrieve on a duck on the water. Um, it was a teal and it was like 80 yards out on this pond. And I kept sent, he didn't, he didn't mark it. He didn't know where it was. It was actually the current kind of took it out into this pond and we walked him around. So it wasn't like he marked it and it was uh, kind of a blind retrieve, I guess. And I'm pointing and sending, I'm sending him out and he goes a little bit and he wants to come back. So I tell him, no point, send him. He goes a little further, wants to come back. Then I send him out again, goes a little further, wants to come back. Well, finally he, he goes like, the furthest freaking stretch out that he had went yet. And he stops and he's sniffing this like piece of wood in the, in the uh, pond. And then he, when he realized that it's not anything, he kind of turns and wants to come back. And, uh, and the wind was, he was actually going out with the wind. So it was making it tough. But, uh, when he turned to come back from that chunk of wood, I, I told him, I said, no, and I pointed and casted him again. And it was like, it just clicked. Like, it was like, I just, it was like right then it was like, I trust you. I'm going where you want me to. And he went out and he got that duck and he brought it to me. And then he, it was like, we had some other retrieves. He, this was, I mean, this dog was, gosh, man, he must've been 
five months old at the time. And we went to the other side of the shore and there was a crippled goose. And I, I didn't send him in out on it. This goose was sitting like on the edge of the water in the land. And I didn't send him after it. I was actually reaching down to grab this goose and it took off out into the water and Trig just went. And I'm like, Oh boy, you know, like crippled goose water, freaking four and a half, five month old dog. This might not be good, but I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll see, you know, cause Drott's, Drott's got a hell of a prey drive. And yeah. I'm watching and this goose, this goose, uh, dives on him and I'm, I'm like starting to clear out my pockets. Cause I'm like, I'm going to have to jump in and save my dog. <laughs> this thing's going to drown him, you know? And he, he sticks his head underwater about right then this goose was coming back up and he grabs it and he brings it right back to the shore. And there was a big, big, big goose. And, uh, yeah, it was just like, once he got that first retrieve, it was like, it was just like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say the light bulb. It, it, it's yeah, flickering, it you know, it takes one or two yep. times and then it sticks with them and they learn by association. It's like, Oh, when I go follow dad's instructions, when I'm in the water, then good things happen. I come across a duck or a goose or something like that. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it sounds kind of oversimplified, but for those of us that have seen it in real time, real, real action, it happens time and time again to where it's just you, you, you get them in the best situation as possible. You hope for that success. And then then you just see that light bulb flicker on and it just starts staying on more and more and more. It, oh, yeah. it, it's really fun to watch. Yeah. And see, and, and I've been really lucky, um, really fortunate this year to get him the exposure that I have, because I mean, for a dog, that's only seven months old, man, he's had a lot of birds in his mouth already this year. Um, and he does, he's done really good. Um, it's funny because I always say with dogs, like you can sit here and talk about how good your dog is, but then, but then when somebody comes around and then you want your dog to, you want to show them how good your dog is, then your dog kind of drops the ball a little bit. (laughs) Always. Um, no, man, like I've had him uh in dog blinds out out in uh cornfields for mallards and geese and uh he's retrieved several crippled geese for me, ducks, he loves it. Um and man, some of the points that he has had this year are just outright incredible. Like we took him out I can't think what the date was, but we got hit with some snow called my brother and, uh, I hadn't been able to get trig on any, on any, uh, pheasants, anything upland because every, every chunk of CRP that we'd walk through this year, I think people don't believe me when I say it, but there's not any pheasants. Like if you go, if anyone on here knows, um, I'm not going to give my whole area, but <laughs> if anyone knows where I'm from, uh, Adair County, that County, that's where I grew up. And, uh, man, I walked my dog on so much CRP trying to get him to point a live wild bird. And I'm telling you back in like June and just earlier in the summer, we got hammered with some hail and I really think it killed off a lot of our pheasants. And, you know, we've got a big problem with coons and coyotes and everything else too, but, um, I walked him a lot, didn't get him on any birds. And then we got hit with some snow and I called my brother and bless his heart, man. He's got, he, he's a farmer and he's got ground all over. And I said, you got anywhere we can hunt? Yep. Bring him up. And we went up dude. And it was incredible. Um, 
just the difference. It's like a 20 mile difference between where I've been walking him and then where we were and how many birds there is up there. And some of his points were like for his first points. I mean, it was just, I can't even, there's a couple that are so burned into my memory. Yeah. Like I, I will remember them till the day I die. And it just, uh, my, you know, we're walking and my brother's like, Holy crap, man. He's like, how old is he? Eight months old. I said, man, he's six months old. Dude. <laughs> like, like it's, it was, uh, it was incredible. And you know, yeah, we got, we get, we still get some bad days. Like yesterday I, I had a hard time. I, I actually flushed a rooster and, uh, it flew up while Trig wanted to chase it, you know, a dog Well, I'm telling him no bird, no bird. And so he, he takes off running and then he flushes like two more roosters and they were too far out. I was pretty mad about that, but what, you know, there's nothing you could do other than just no be stern and, them. And, and you're, you're out there hunting with a half year old pup, man. It, it's, it's yeah. one, you know, it's expectations and it's hard not to get caught up in that, especially when you have a rock star that's five, six months old, retrieving birds, slamming points, looking good. It's easy for us to forget that we're dealing with such a young puppy and they're going to make puppy errors. And I mean, that's not even a puppy error. I mean, that's, that's an error that heck my, my grown dogs have, have committed that foul this year by themselves. They're not supposed to, they're trained not to do that, but that's also why we train it for when we're in the field, we have that foundation again to go back on and reinforce it based off that to where that's something where it's like, if your dog is chasing that pheasant and it's bumping, 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 it's that it goes back to you have the genetics and you have the tools to train and work that out later. But it, like your point, you know, it's like, it's hard not to get frustrated in real time in that situation. Oh, it's, it's really hard too. Cause like <laughs> we went duck hunting a few weeks ago and I had trig out there and honestly, I was going to leave him at home. The guys I were, the guys that I was hunting with, they've, they've got some truly, I mean, high caliber black labs, like, they're incredible on, on waterfowl. And I was going to leave trig at home and just let them work their dogs, you know? And, uh, I ended up just bringing him whatever, everything was good, but he wasn't, he didn't have any retrieves. Um, and I wasn't upset about that because, you know, we've got three really, really good black labs out in the field. Like by the time Trig was even out of his dog blind, these dogs were all, they already had like a dozen birds picked up, you know? Um, but I, I was frustrated, uh, because he just, he wasn't listening at all to any command I was giving him just excitement and stuff, you know? And, uh, I was frustrated. Um, I'm always stern with my dog. I don't scream at him. None of that, but I'm always stern with him and I'm being stern with him. And I was just like, I was just frustrated. And one of the guys asked me like, why are you so, so frustrated or whatever? And I was like, man, I my dog just ain't listening. And they're like, yeah, but he's a puppy. And I'm like, I know. I know. <laughs> I said, I got to remind myself, but I said, this dog has shown me so much like, I mean, I'm not saying it cause it's my dog, but like, as far as potential goes and as far as what I've seen personally, I mean, he's shown me more potential than I've probably ever seen in another dog. And then we go and have a terrible day and it's like, 
it's that's why it sounds like you needed that day though to bring you back down to earth a little bit to bring you back down it's like all right you know he he's having a great season especially for the kickoff season but he's still a puppy and you know sometimes we need that humbling experience and it's also going to give you the tools in the off season when it's time to work on all this stuff it's like okay i'm gonna go back to that hunt to where i was upset and I know exactly what we're working on. We're working on stop to flush right now. That's what we're working on. Yep. And so it's sometimes we need those moments as much as we hate them and our dogs are just embarrassing us almost. You know, whether you're with people or you're solo in the field, we've all had that gut check moment where I thought we were done with this. But these dogs, you know, that they're they're living creatures, man. They have a mind of their own. And sometimes they're just going to go do that, whether you're trained up on it or not. Yeah, I... uh yeah, man, I can't, I mean, he's been giving me a few days where he tries my patience, but <laughs> on the other hand, like when we went out yesterday, um, he, he honestly was a rock star for the whole hunt. Um, towards the end, I had an issue. Like I like I told you a little bit ago, he didn't want to, I, I always tell him, I tell both my dogs, if they have something in their mouth off and to, to give me whatever they have. And, uh, like karma's incredible. She's my Malinois. And then Trig usually is pretty good with, if we've got ducks, um, pheasants, whatever, he's usually good with, with off, but that quail, he just <laughs> brought it over and he just, I could hear the thing crunching in his mouth. I'm like, dude, what the hell? Well, uh, I, looking back though, like that, that was whatever, because the rest of the hunt was just incredible. And, and he actually exceeded my expectations. I told my friend when, even when we pulled up, I said, I don't have super high expectations for him today because I said, I know he has a lot of pent up energy because it's been, dude, it's been freaking freezing up here in Iowa the last week. And, uh, I haven't, I haven't taken him out a whole lot. He, he goes everywhere with me and like, the other day when it was, gosh, man, I think the windshield was like negative 40, negative 50. Like I, I let him out to go potty and he was out of the truck for like maybe a minute and he was whining because his paws were so cold. So he's just been sitting in the house and I mean, he, he does pretty good at exerting some of his energy in the house too, probably more than he needs to. I'm pretty sure he's going to break the cabinet under our kitchen sink because he, <laughs> he gets the zoomies and he runs so fast dude and it's hilarious because he's kind of a dork man he's 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 not filled Lanky. out yet so he's got, yeah he's got super long legs he's skinny and he goes running out there and he smashes into that cabinet <laughs> but <laughs> it's hilarious i uh real quick I, I was standing at the kitchen one night i was washing off some duck breast and him and my malinois are playing out here in the living room well, he takes off, and I don't know how fast he's running, but it, it, he's flying, man. He's hauling the mail. And uh, he smashes in. I'm standing at the sink, and he smashes into the back of my legs, and my knees go smashing into that cabinet. My girlfriend thinks it's the funniest thing in the world, you know. She's yeah. laughing. So about five minutes later, she's standing at the sink washing something off, and Trig does the same thing, smashes her into that, <laughs> that cabinet. She was just fighting that you know not so funny anymore (laughs) no but yeah that's that's what i was saying though i mean he uh yeah he's been in the house man he's got a lot of energy and i think a lot of people forget that 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 aspect of it i mean 
basic obedience can go out the window. If your dog has a buttload of stored up energy, you know, like I see a lot of people that have dogs, you know, they don't play fetch with them. They don't run them. They don't do anything. And then they wonder why their dogs tearing stuff up in the house or not listening in. Yeah. I mean, that's tearing huge, stuff so. up or they just get super lazy and they don't do anything all year long. And then they're upset because they didn't hunt hard during the season or, you know, what's wrong with you. And it's, I always say, yeah. you know, when you're pointing the finger at the dog, you got three more fingers pointing right back at you and, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll always be thinking what you did, uh, that you did wrong as an owner and handler. I mean, it, my my girls, they, it, again, all these dogs, roller coasters, they're up, down, up, down, up, down. And their retrieving this year has not been up to their level as, as what it normally has in the past. And, and I'm like, man, what is going on? What it is is I had to stop and think. I did a lot more just physical conditioning this year as opposed to running different scenarios and different searches. And, and I've always kind of focused in and honed in on that during the off seasons. And this year I didn't do that because I'm like, oh, we got that in the bag. Let's just do physical conditioning. Let's do this other fun stuff over here. And it's really kind of come to bite me in the, in the hunting side of things this year to where we're still recovering our birds. But it's taking a lot longer and a lot more resins, and that's something to where both dogs have had plenty of reps over the years doing it. So, to your yep. point, understand your dogs and always ask if they're if they're falling short. What what did you do as the owner and handler to cause that? Not so much the dog. Yeah, and and all almost every time it can come back to to you. Um, you know, I, I, I had a lab back in the day and he had the worst separation anxiety. And, uh, but I was young when I had him and I'll tell anybody all day, you know, his anxiety was because of me. And and here's what I did. I would go to work all day. And before I would leave, I'm playing with him. I'm getting him hyper. I'm winding him up. And then I would just walk out the door. So now he's like, okay, where'd dad just go? And I, you know, I got them all wound up. And then every time I'd come home, you know, he, he'd come out the front door and we're playing in the yard. I'm getting him wound up. He's got the zoomies. Well, I made it, I made it an eventful deal when I came home. And so then when I would leave and then from when I would come home, that dog is sitting there anticipating me coming home. And then the longer it's taken, the worse his anxiety setting in. And now he's starting to chew up a pair of jeans or whatever it may be. And, uh, that was my fault. You know? Um, I mean, my Malinois, when she was a puppy, she bit me on the nose and, uh, like it gashed my nose clear open. And, uh, in hindsight, it was my fault. She was laying next to my girlfriend. I leaned in too quick and she bit me, you know, like there's a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, just like you said, I think it, it can boil back to you and you're sometimes people may teach a bad habit to a dog, but sometimes it's maybe just, yeah, the lack of working with it on the, on the issue at hand, you know? Yeah. Well, both of those are two good examples of something that someone else can learn from, you know, whether it's, it's creating that anxiety in the dog that lashes out inside the house, or maybe you got a sleeping dog and you just move too fast, or or it's not a hundred percent used to you, or don't even know that you're there, and they're they're going to lash out with a reactionary bite such as that. Uh, so it's important that we reflect on that, and and what did I do to cause that? So. 
it sounds like you you pretty much have the rock star that that you're wanting in the draw. You it sounds like you have the draw that you hear everybody else talk about wanting when they get the draughts, right? And so, uh, you know, hopefully that keeps going. I, I'm excited to hear what he does in his sophomore season and in the offseason in general because if he's doing that just fresh out of the gate, it's going to be fun to see what, what you can make out of it on that. But as, as we kind of wrap this up, you already kind of answered the one of the questions that I always ask about. It's uh, an example of something you screwed up with. You just kind of gave us two on that. So the other question that I always ask is, as you've been listening to to the podcast, is there any specific episode, topic, or guest that's kind of stood out to you that that's helped you out, or you you just really personally enjoyed? Uh, I liked your episode fourteen, your myth flushers one, and uh, there was one. It was a profile that you had, and honestly, I cannot remember the guy's name, but I think he was from Ames, Iowa. I think Iowa. he was from Ames, and he he had done. Man, he, he like traveled all over the country shooting upland birds. I can't remember his name. I tried to look for it on my Spotify before I jumped on with you. Was, I it, knew you was, it, ask, was it one of the uh, the Upland Slam episodes, Jim Sorensen? And, uh, oh, yeah. That is what it was, okay. yes. Yep, right. that's it. So cool. I'll yeah, put... I was looking for I was looking for a profile. That's why I didn't find it. Yes, it was the it was the Upland Slam one, yes. All right. I so, like that. Yeah, the Myth Flushers, man, That's a that was a fun one. God, that was years ago, obviously, when we first started out. And I think I pitched that idea, and, uh, man, I can't remember. Uh, I think it was Austin. He was like, man, I, I don't think there's enough example. I'm like, are you kidding me? There's plenty of examples to talk about myths here. But that was a fun one and something that I – verbally I, I get told a lot that people enjoyed that one and so that's that's a topic we may have to revisit at some point because it's been a few years since we did it but uh that that was a fun one you're going way back on that <laughs> yeah well that was actually one of the first episodes because truthfully man like um before before i got him i didn't listen i listened to like so I've always been just diehard bow hunter, man. That's been my bread and butter. Um, it's, 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 it was always my favorite thing in the world. And before I got this gun dog, it was always a uh, working class bow hunter, Joe Rogan experience. And I like listening to like war stories. So Sean Ryan. Um, and then I would listen to like some coyote hunting, uh, some predator hunting podcasts. I love predator hunting. All right. And I didn't, I never listened to much on, on, uh, I did, I have listened to some, uh, there's a podcast about like military working dogs and I can't even remember what it's called right now, but it was always really good. Um, but I didn't listen to anything on gun dogs. And then I'm always wanting, cause I, I'd like to think that I know a little about a little about a lot. I, right. I always say, I want to know a little about a lot. And, uh, I'm always trying to learn. And like when I bought my Malinois, I read, uh, Mike Ritland wrote a book called team dog. If you've heard of it. And Mike Ritland was a Navy seal dog handler. And man, that I was that just book, about to ask if you've listened to his podcast, Mike drop. I, I have listened to him. Yes. Um, yeah, man. And that book, like that completely changed everything, right? Like with the way that I trained with anything that I, and not saying that everything Mike does is the way to do it because there's different ways to skin a cat, but 
that guy, I mean, it, listen, if he's training military working dogs for Navy SEALs, like he's doing something right with these dogs. And so then after reading it, like everything that I thought would be the right thing to do was not. And then I was, I was also doing research on like anxiety in dogs, trying to figure out how to keep them from how, how to, I think some dogs may just have it, but I really believe that in a lot of cases, and in fact, I would almost say that in most cases of anxiety between dogs, I really think in most of them it's man-made and that it could, it could have been prevented. But then obviously I think once it gets started, like it's hard to ever get ahead of, but anyways, I'm always learning and reading and, and researching. And, and so I found your podcast and, uh, yeah, man, I just freaking, I've loved it. And I think when you first reached out to me on Facebook, uh, I sent you a screenshot and I think you're like number three on my most listened to podcast on Spotify. <laughs> and that's saying a lot because man, I listened to a lot of Joe Rogan and I listened to a lot of Sean Ryan so, and I mean, Sean Ryan's podcast, his episodes are like, God, they're like five, six hours long. So that's saying a lot if you're, if you're right behind him on the list. I, I'll have to check out Sean Ryan. Cause it sounds like we have a lot of shared interests on, on shows, especially Mike drop Mike Ritland. He's, he, he's great for those people that haven't heard of him, but Sean Ryan, I'm going to have to go check him out. If I have heard of him or seen his stuff, it's not, it's not ringing a bell for me right now. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, Stuff like that, I'm I'm in the same boat, man. It's just like I don't I don't pick just one source. Go go to numerous different sources, different genres, different different avenues for whether it's podcasts, books, magazines, whatever. Just kind of be a sponge, soak it all in, and and you know just keep trying to learn because if you're not, then you're just you're just operating under the same knowledge base. And I don't know about you, but I I just I want to get better. It, you know, I, I'm that guy that can always as good as I've done in the past or as good as something turns out, I always feel like we can do better. And so that's, that's kind of my driving force on my end. Yeah. There's, it, listen, I, if you think you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room, you know? So like you always have to be looking at it now. I'll, I'll also get people that'll, you can, you kind of know, you know, who, if, if who you're talking to actually knows what they're talking about. Right. Like, cause I've, I've also had people try to tell me, um, certain things. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm stern with my draw, but he is a stubborn dog. I mean, like bad man, like my, my, my Malinois, I, uh, so when she was a pup, like not a pup pup, but, uh, when she was old enough that I could start giving her commands and stuff. And if you read Mike Ritland's book, you know, there's two ways you can train your dog. You can, what do they even call it? Do they call it a like positive reinforcement or whatever, or you can do it the old school way. And, and that's not, you don't beat on your dog. You, none of that, you don't scream at them, but you, it is okay to if you grab a dog by the scruff of the neck and you be stern with it. And that's the way I've been with all my dogs, man. I'll, I'll just be flat out honest with you. Um, because I watched like when I went and got trig, um, as pups, when Darren would let these dogs out of their kennel, the first thing 
Mama June was doing, that was her name's June. First thing Mama June's doing is grabbing every one of these puppies by the scruff of the neck. Even if they weren't doing anything, she like went around to everyone, grabs them by the scruff of the neck just for a second and then just moves on. And uh, that's the way I am, man. And, and I don't do it much. But now if my dog is, if, if it's consistently not listening and it's ignoring my commands, I'll, I'll grab it by the scruff of the neck, you know, on the back, doesn't hurt it. And I'll just, I'll be stern with them. And it's almost like it resets them. Now yeah. that's what works for me. And I'm not sitting here telling everyone that's the way you need to do it. And if positive reinforcement is how, um, it, right. It's positive reinforcement where like somebody, if your dog's chewing up something that it's not supposed to, they will then give it something else to chew on. Is that? Yeah. So it, it goes back to the four quadrants of behavioral theory. You have your reinforcement and you have your punishment side. Positive and negative truly just means that positive is you're adding something there. Negative is you're taking something away from it. And so reinforcement is to make something more likely to occur in the future. Punishment is to make it less likely to occur in the future. Future. So if you're doing positive reinforcement, you're adding something in, to the equation, such as a treat at the right time or a marker, to make that action occur again in the future. If you're wanting, and there's also positive punishment. People forget about that to where you're adding something to make that less likely to occur in the future. And then same same thing on, uh, you have positive and negative to both sides. So really what the the way that it makes sense to me as a handler is look at what what is the thing that you're trying to communicate to that dog. And so like negative reinforcement, if you have your continuous stem on, on an e-collar and you're taking that away when they learn to shut off pressure, that is negative reinforcement, but it's not because it's quote unquote negative in, in people's eyes or opinions. It's negative in the fact that I took away pressure and it taught that dog how to shut off pressure. So he's going to learn how to do that again in the future yeah. and avoid that stem altogether. And so I think there there's a bad... I don't know if bad is the right word, but there's a misunderstanding between most people when they hear the terms positive reinforcement, what that really means. And, and they take the word positive in the sense that we're saying, oh, that's a positive outlook or that's a positive thing, a, a net good. And really, they need to be looking at it in terms of just mathematics, adding, subtracting. Yeah. That That's really the breakdown on how, how it is. And so when people say I'm a positive only trainer, I'm like, Okay, I'm going to need a little more context. I'm not saying that you're sure. wrong in what you're doing, but at least in the terminology, it's not lining up with the way I've come to be taught, learn, and ingest it myself. And so that, that's pretty much, you know, the four quadrants as summed up as I can make it right now. Yeah, and see, and I think too, like, because that was like something that Mike Ritland touched on. He's like the very first and foremost thing that you have to do with any dog is you, you have to be sure that it knows that you're alpha and because it's got to respect you long before it likes you. Right. And that, that's a really blunt way of putting it, but he's not wrong. And he's, that's where he leads into. He's like, you can, you can, I think Mike's kind of an old school guy. Like he'll grab a dog by the scruff of the neck. And let me be clear to anybody listening to this. If you're new to dogs, like I'm not talking, if you don't know what we're talking about, don't be grabbing your dog by the neck and choking them out. None of that. <laughs> like the scruff no. of the neck, the loose skin on the back of their neck. If you just grab that, 
it, it it kind of it's it's natural, right? It's it's in the pack. We've talked about it on a number of episodes where a guest has said, "Go watch the mom. Go watch the mom in a litter and how they handle their puppies. There are certain things that they do on how they handle their puppies, whether it's between grabbing them by the scruff of the neck or nudging them right on the side, right by their shoulder blades. You know, there there are certain things that they do that a lot of trainers and handlers kind of hone in on." And they use that to their advantage to where anytime you touch your dog, it's supposed to actually mean something. You know, we all pet and love on our dogs way too much, but it's also one of the fun things about being a dog owner. But the average owner handles their dog way too much to whereas if you watch mom with pup, she's only touching that dog when it's a purpose to do so and, and not the other way around. Yep, and that's right. And and I think once you uh yeah, I mean w- once that dog respects you and once it respects you, then you can like cuz I I really don't like Trig when we're out I run an e-collar on him. I rarely will have to give him a zap. Um and if I do it's just a quick nick and I I leave his collar actually turned down quite a bit, but I can generally just vibrate and 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 it's it's rare, right? Like the only time I really have to do it is if he's wanting to break and chase after a bird and I tell him no bird, come back, heal, whatever. And if he's not listening, I'll vibrate him. And that usually right then when I just vibrate the collar, he'll be like, okay, because he knows that there's always a vibrate before a shock. So he'll feel that vibrate. And then he just comes back, yeah. you know, but generally I can almost just tell my dogs, most things. And as long as I'm stern in my voice, I can, they'll about just, they'll about always listen. Now I better knock on wood because I probably just <laughs> myself a little bit, but, yep. um, yeah, I mean, once you establish that you're, you're alpha and that, you know, they, once you have their respect, then, I mean, yeah, like, like we said at the beginning, you can about get a dog to do whatever you need, you know? Exactly. And, and with that, we came full circle. So with with this wrapping up, I'm excited to hear kind of how, how you close out the season and everything up there as well as, as next season. I mean, if you're already having that much fun and, and success with him in the field on his freshman year, I'm, I'm excited to hear what the, what the sophomore season brings you. Yeah. I'm super excited about it. Hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully we. I blew my knee out yesterday, pheasant hunting bad. And hopefully that thing. Hopefully that thing gets a little better sooner than later, and uh, yeah, we can get back out there because we've got some warmer temps coming. Um, we're gonna try to get on obviously more pheasants. Um, right now is not the best time for pheasants. Yeah. in our area just because like i said they got hit but um hopefully get on some more geese this year if they didn't all head south you know with all them cold temps but yeah we're gonna we'll do some shed hunting and stuff too so oh yeah, yeah looking get, forward to it it's fun with them yeah you got plenty of stuff to keep you busy well man i i appreciate you taking the time coming on and kind of sharing your your stories and and learning curves and, and all that stuff you know it's something that we can all relate to and uh, that's why i enjoy doing these things yeah man i appreciate you having me on dude yeah absolutely man we'll we'll be sure to check back soon for sure take care brother Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting.
everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high grade lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just after replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.